Hello, this is Dr. Jackson. Thank you so much for tuning in to Motivational Moments. I am simply excited about this upcoming episode. It is entitled Life Lessons for My Sons. It's really based upon the very first book that I wrote. I told my life story to my sons through the lens of a football game. And so throughout the book, I highlighted different life lessons that I learned from my time in childhood all the way to adulthood. I simply wanted to ensure that my sons were fully prepared and understood what their father's perspective was regarding being a man of God. And so I am hoping that those young men who may not have had a mentor or a father in their life, and perhaps some men as well, I want to invite you to glean from these different segments of my book, Life Lessons for My Sons. And perhaps those lessons will be valuable to you as you seek to move forward in becoming that man of God that God has already ordained you to be. I look forward to spending time with you as we go through this new episode, Life Lessons for My Sons. Thank you for joining me with Motivational Moments with Dr. Jackson. Hello, this is Dr. Kevin Jackson. I want to welcome you to this segment, which is entitled The Kickoff, as we focus on our episode, which is entitled Life Lessons for My Sons, which is based upon the book that I wrote, giving my sons an account of my development in childhood and development into manhood as a man of God. The first chapter really deals with, uh, as I said before, this book was written with football in mind. And so the first chapter is called Kick Off. This is when the game begins. It's where everything starts and the two opposing teams begin to uh, compete with each other, determine who will uh, defend the possession of the ball and who will seek to take the ball away from the opposing team. But before even the kickoff, it's important to uh, describe what the field looked like. And what I compare the field to being is the actual environment in which I grew up in. I was born in Tuskegee, Alabama, not because uh, that's where we live. We actually lived in Montgomery, Alabama, about 30 to 40 miles away. But Tuskegee's hospital was probably one of uh, the most used by African-Americans. One, it was open to African-Americans and it was affordable. So my parents had to drive 30 to 40 miles outside of the city of Montgomery in order for me to be born in a place that would actually accept African-Americans. And so uh, during that time, there was still the stench of racism. Uh, you would be able to identify African-American neighborhoods and the neighborhoods of, of others who are non-African-American. I can remember one instance uh, when I was older when I read my birth certificate 
And on my birth certificate, it, it did not say African-American boy. It actually said black Negro boy. That's what it was on my birth certificate. And what it was, it was a testimony, not a very good one, but testimony of Alabama and its feelings and thoughts and perceptions towards African-Americans. So my growing up in the South was certainly uh, challenging with the racial tensions that had taken place. And so with that in mind, it became very necessary that the quarterback of my life, uh, my dad, that he would be in place so that he could relay to me what the different plays would be necessary in order for us to advance the field, life, uh, in the game, life, uh, and to become successful. However, uh, dad wasn't able to do so. And so it became necessary uh, for a backup quarterback. And that's who I refer to as Mr. Michael Barron. Mr. Michael Barron was my first African-American teacher who was male, my first African-American male music teacher and all the other subjects. And so he became the man of God that was placed in my life to teach me how to be a young man and how to grow up to be a man of God. Mr. Barron, actually, I attribute to him being the one that actually saved my life as a young man. And because of who he was, I followed him. So I eventually made my way to Mount Zion AM Zion Church because that's where Mr. Barron attended church. And he also sponsored the Boy Scouts there. So I also became a Boy Scout. Uh, I was very active in the ministry in Mount Zion AME Zion Church as well. One of the life lessons that I share with my sons uh, is that life lesson number three, glean from the man that the Lord places in your life. That man was ordained to demonstrate godliness for your benefit from dad. What I was relaying to my son, not only for them to look to me as a source of impartation of what it means to be a man of God, but also those men whom I have spoken to and placed in their lives and those that they will find on their own throughout their life who will be able to make those different impartations into their lives to glean from them. I want to talk to you. Perhaps you're a young man or maybe you're an adult man who did not have uh, your father in your life. I want you to take the opportunity to glean from the men that God places in your life that you can look at, that you can watch, that you can emulate, that you can learn from, and many times that they can be mentors for you. Mr. Barron was also very instrumental in my spiritual development, my discipleship, and me understanding my spirituality because he was a man of God and com continues to be. And I was a young man that loved church, period. So I would be in church all day. I would work, walk for miles just to go to the next service. And one of the places that I was able to attend, get ready for the name, it is Rice Temple Apostolic Overcoming Holiness Church of God. And 
It is there that I learn about righteousness, holiness, and I learn about Pentecostal worship. I learn about dancing before the Lord and the Spirit of God resting and abiding in his people. And there was a pastor there, Pastor O'Neill, McNeil, um, who I never had a conversation with as a child, but I gleaned from him the way that he talked the word of God, the way that he spoke, the way that he carried himself, his character, um, his integrity. And when I became older and wrote this book, it probably in my uh, uh, early 40s, um, I had the opportunity to meet Overseer McNeil and thank him and give him a signed copy of my book because he made an impact on my life and he never ever spoke to me or ever met me. You will find those type of men in your lives as well. And so keep your eyes open so that you will not miss what God is trying to do through others in your life. One of the life lessons that I gave my son, life lesson number five, don't forget to thank those who pour into your life. I have made it my business to thank Michael Barron for all of the things that he has done for me uh, since my childhood, even through adulthood. Please do that. When God sends godly men in your life, please don't just take from them, but give to them. Give them the proper respect and also thank them for taking the time to invest in you. And when you do that, people are more apt to continue to invest in you um, in even greater ways. And so as we look at the kickoff, the game beginning, I had to start that game with a backup quarterback. And that's okay. I learned to cope and adapt. And I learned to appreciate the fact that God didn't leave me without a quarterback. My job was to listen to the plays in which he relate to me and to try my very best to run the plays as effective as possible. Many of you may not have had a father. And so I want you to begin to think about what did your kickoff look like? What did your life start off as? And for many, it may have been very painful. I want to encourage you to uh, address those kinds of uh, feelings and emotions. Here's something I also want to suggest to you, and most people probably shy away from it, and I understand it, but it's necessary. Sometimes we have to talk to someone in confidentiality, even if it's a counselor, and go back and deal with those intricate details uh, that keep us stunted or stuck in place. I want to encourage you to do that so that you can get on with the game of your life and not be stuck in the first quarter still replaying the same play over and over again. I also want you to think about what man have you already seen that you can learn from? How can you glean from that man? Make sure you write some things down. And if you feel led to do so, 
Maybe you could sit down and talk with that man. Allow him to relate to you uh, his thoughts, what he feels, and his take on life. One of the things that I found very um, valuable as Mr. Barron was mentoring me and really served as my spiritual father at that time was that I had a teachable spirit. So I'm going to end this with talking about having a teachable spirit. It simply means being ready to learn, being ready and pliable so that that mentor, that spiritual father can uh, do what he feels is necessary to mold you to be the man of God that you were to become. And that teachable spirit says, I submit to your authority. Not anything crazy, not anything that's going to harm you, but I submit to you molding me, helping me, and holding me accountable for the things that you're relaying to me and teaching me for my good. And so, men of God, young men, wherever you are in the game of life, we're looking at the kickoff. As your game of life began, find out where your quarterback is. And if that quarterback was never there, it's okay. Today begins your day to look for a new quarterback, have a teachable spirit, and allow that man to pour into your life. I am grateful for the opportunity to share with you today my kickoff. And I hope that there's something that I've shared with you that will benefit you. That will bless you and minister to your heart, wherever you are. You're not alone. There are so many other young men and men who are in the same place, trying to fulfill that void. My prayer is what I've shared with you helps it become a little bit better and get you a little bit closer to moving forward to what God has for you. This has been um, a segment on kickoff from our episode, Life Lessons for My Son. Thank you for joining me on Motivational Moments with Dr. Jackson. God bless. Hello, this is Dr. Kevin Jackson. I am so glad that you're able to join us for this next segment entitled Overcoming the Odds. And we are glad uh, to be able to share from my book, Life Lessons for My Sons. Today's segment is really going to deal with that overcoming uh, fire in your belly. You may think that it is not there, but there is something in you that makes you resilient. And I just want to share uh, some of the aspects of my own childhood of having to overcome some odds and some others in my childhood as well. I can remember uh, attending Robert E. Lee High School. At the time, that name didn't faze me at all in Montgomery, Alabama. Robert E. Lee, of course, being one of the Confederate generals during the Civil War. Well, during my time, there was something in Montgomery that was called um, the majority minority, which basically meant that African-American students 
in certain neighborhoods had to be bused to uh, white neighborhood schools. And what they were doing was seeking to force integrate African Americans in different settings. Even though the school that was closest to me was Carver High School, George Washington Carver High School, totally African American population. But due to the state rules, I had to ride a bus about 30 miles um, to Robert E. Lee High School. I attended this school. I played an instrument that was a trumpet. And so I had a great time learning uh, how to march drum corps style. So I got um, pretty good experiences. One of the things that I sought to do was to become a drum major at Robert E. Lee High School, the Marching Generals. Well, I went through that entire process, and I can remember even today uh, the routine that I did to Jesus Christ Superstar. Let me tell you, the people were on their feet. They were screaming and clapping. I knew that I had that in the bag, but then came after me some other students, and we also had some uh, of females as well. And what happened was they decided not to select me. Rather than have two males, they decided they needed to have a male and a female. And regardless of my performance, it didn't matter. There was a certain perception that they wanted to present. And so I got the short end of a stick. It taught me something. It taught me how to appreciate the fact that it had nothing to do with my ability didn't have anything to do with the skills that I had already displayed. It meant that in life, there would be people who would make decisions, and they would make those decisions based upon what they felt was most important to them. And sometimes that meant that you would get the short end of the stick. And what I decided to do was to not allow their actions to impact me in a way why I could not continue to move forward. I, I want to talk to some men and young men. You've probably been impacted by some decisions that others have made. In many instances, they were probably unfair. In other instances, it just wasn't good. At any rate, I want to encourage you. Whether people have looked over you, whether they have assumed that you are not qualified, or whatever way uh, that they have place some kind of stigma or some kind of reputation on you that is not representative of you, I want to encourage you to be resilient, to overcome those odds because you can. Whenever you find yourself being pushed back, it's an opportunity for you to overcome that type of opposition. One of the things that I decided to do when I was in high school was to use education as a route for me to excel and to beat racism and to beat the low expectations that others had set for me. Life lesson number eight states education is essential. Surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. I learned that if I wasn't good at something or didn't know a whole lot, what I learned to do was surround myself with people who were smarter than me, who knew more than me, and as a result of being around them, and gleaning from them, I became smarter, wiser, and able to navigate different systems, even when others thought that I was not supposed to be there.
And what I want to encourage you to do is make sure that you do your best. Because after you've given people your best, you've given them all that you can actually give. I later on joined the ROTC. I can remember one of my instructors, Chief Buckner, and came down to choosing a school to attend. Well, I applied to several places and had 15 scholarships, MIT, LSU. There were three-year scholarships. Unbeknown to me, some way, somehow, God had orchestrated that I would receive a full three-year scholarship. Guess what God did? Remember I talked about all the kickoff and all the different things that took place in the game of life for me then? Well, that's when God turned the tables for me. And he implemented some blessings and opportunities in the game. Maybe you'll call them interceptions. Or maybe you'll call them that I uh, got the ball back in possession. And as a result of that, I began a new track in life. This is what I found out. And this is for my brothers and for my sons out there. I found out early in life that God does things for you even when you have no idea he's doing them. I want you to remember that. God is always working on your behalf. The scripture says, for we know all things are working together for the good of them that love the Lord and a call to his purpose. And as a result of that, I felt that I won that particular game of life as a result of getting uh, that scholarship. Here's some things I want to share with you that were some great principles, and I think that you could probably use them as well. Never allow your environment to dictate your destination. I don't care where you are right now, whether it's on your job, whether uh, you're in school, or whether you're living in areas that you may not be proud of. Don't allow the environment to dictate your destination. Your destination is a journey. It will have different uh, pathways, different terrain. You have to stay on track and understand that you're going somewhere. There is a final destination that you're trying to reach to. Whether that's to get another job, whether that's to advance in your education, I want you never to get frustrated with the environment that you came from and allow that to dictate your destination. You have the ability to override that. Here's another, your disadvantages can sometimes become some of your greatest assets. You know, in Alabama, sometimes being an African American could be a disadvantage. But it was because of the mercies of God that me being African American actually opened up some tremendous doors for me. And it became one of my greatest assets. Trusting God to do the things that you cannot do for yourself. There will be some things as a man, as a young man, that you're going to want to do. But you won't have the ability to do it. That's reality. But what I want you to do and encouraging you to do is to trust God to do what you cannot do. There's a scripture that says, present your plan to the Lord and he will act. Sometimes it just takes talking to God and saying, God, this is what I want to do. And then you move out the way and let God act 
and bring about whatever will he desires. Here's a life lesson that I share with my sons. Success must be intentional. Without a proven plan, failure is inevitable. Please don't plan to fail. And if you don't plan, it's planning to fail. I need you to plan your educational goals out. I need you to plan what your career will be. I need you to plan when you're going to get married, about when you're going to get married, what you're looking for in a wife. I want you to plan for everything as if it's your last time. Give God something to work with. Not something that's in your head, but I want you to put it to paper, pen and paper, so that you can monitor to determine if you are on track or not. One of the other things that I want to share with you um, as well is you must be ready for different things to take place in the game of life. You'll notice there are times uh, when the quarterback has to huddle everybody if the game is not going as planned and if the plays are not able to be performed. Sometimes you have to take a huddle. Here's something that the scripture says. Wisdom is found in having many advisors. And what that simply means is every now and then you have to take a huddle on the field in the game of life. You may have a plan, but let others who you trust and you know who love you and have your best interest at heart look at your plan. Remember that part I talked about having a teachable spirit? This is where it comes into play. Allow them to critique. Allow them to give you suggestions. And then you pray, review it, and reflect. And then present it to God. And allow him to direct your step. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I hope that you've enjoyed today. So we've talked about overcoming odds. I know that there are some things that you may be facing right now. I'm here to tell you, you can overcome them. Find someone who's smarter than you to help you to navigate that particular situation. There is safety in the counsel of many. Don't run away from counsel and critique. Run to it that you may make informed and wise decision. And whatever you do, you can overcome every obstacle with self-discipline and your faith in Christ. Trust in the one in whom you believe. I hope that you have been encouraged and blessed by this segment, Overcoming the Odds, as we discuss my book, Life Lessons for My Sons. Thank you for joining me during Motivational Moments with Dr. Kevin Jackson. God bless. Hello, this is Dr. Jackson. I want to thank you for joining me today 
for this segment, which is entitled On the Field Injuries. This is taken from my book, Life Lessons for My Sons. I'm so glad that you've joined me today, and I hope that you will be blessed and will be able to glean from what I will be sharing with you today. You know, on the field injuries can have long-term effects. It can be anything from a sprained ankle, a jammed up finger, and even something even more devastating. Injuries are going to happen on the field, but with the necessary care, those injuries can be attended to and a person can get therapy and they can get back into the game and play some more. One of the things that I noted to my sons was life lesson number 19, never ignore pain. I want to talk to some of you who are men and those of you who may be young adults and even some young teenagers. You may be dealing with some serious pain that's resulted from a number of things. It could be pain from the absence of your father, pain for some kind of sexual abuse, pain uh, from violence, pain, loneliness and rejection. And there are a number of things that can really cause pain during the game of life. And a number of people can cause those types of pain. One of mine was my grandfather who actually tried to murder me as a baby. And in fact, he told me as a preteen that he would live to see me dead. I would say that that caused a great deal of pain. And there were other instances of things that took place uh, in my life that were painful. When you hurt, there's something you have to say about it. I can remember um, my uncle that if I fell down, or and even other men, that if I fell down off my bicycle and my knee was bleeding and everything, they would tell me, you better not cry. Get up and go do it again, because you're not going to be soft. Had anything to do, did not have anything to do with being soft. The fact of the matter is that they taught me that when you have pain, as a man, you should cover it up. You should act like it doesn't exist. You should act like it doesn't hurt. I'm trying to tell you today that if you have pain, I don't want you to pretend as if it doesn't hurt. I don't want you to pretend as if it doesn't exist. I want you to face the pain. Face what is hurting. And in many cases, face who hurt you. I've had the opportunity to face those persons who hurt me during my childhood. I'm going to encourage you, as you have the ability to do those same things. And here again, I'm going back to something that you may not want to hear, but sometimes counseling is a good tool to use in order to be prepared to address some of the issues that may have taken place in your past as a child.
One of the things that also injured me was the absence of my father. There were things that he never taught me. He never taught me how to play football, basketball. He never came to any of the events in my school. He never talked to me about sex or the birds and the bees. He never did any of those things. And I asked myself a question. Why does he not care about me? Why are other things more important than me? Perhaps you've asked that question. You know what I came to the conclusion is? He didn't have the tools. He didn't know better. He didn't have a reference point. He didn't know how to prioritize those things that were most important. So I want to encourage you that as you become a father, and if you're already a father, I want you to prioritize your children. Be there for them. Make as many things as you can. Your presence alone will provide them with the strength and the support that they need to become strong young men. Get involved however you can so that you can communicate that who they are is important to you. Here's something that I think is very important. It's life lesson, life lesson 22. A boy needs a man to show him how to be a man. That is important. A boy needs to be able to model himself after a man. And there are many single mothers who have taken on that role and they've done the very best that they can. So we are no, I am no way discounting what mothers have to do. The ideal is that a man shows a young boy how to become a man. From potty training all the way to how to put on his clothes, how hygiene, how to have integrity, how to handle his finances, how to, to be responsible, how to determine which direction they want to go, career, a young man needs a man to show him those kinds of things. How to control his passions. How to control himself when interacting with young women. How to treat young women. It is so important. And when those parts of development are not mastered or taught, it can leave the young man in a place of disadvantage. I had a friend, very close friend, who, he was a ladies man. I mean, wow. He had so many, and he really didn't care. He, he, he didn't have a lot of standards. He didn't care as long as it was a female. But he lived his life in such a way that it was destructive. And much of that was because he was dealing with injuries. And his way of coping with those injuries was to spread himself around with as many women as possible. Well, my friend contracted AIDS. 
I didn't know I was coming home visiting and uh, spent some time with him and I told him, hey man, I gotta go back to Savannah State and he began to get upset. I noticed he was doing a lot of coughing. And just didn't look himself, didn't look like himself. He never said anything to me about being sick or anything. He just kept coughing and things like that. He was said something to me. He says, Kev, why you got to leave me, man? I really want you to be here. And I told him, hey, man, I'll be back. I got to go finish up this semester. And by the time I got back, within a week or so, my friend died. My very best friend. He died because he could not control his urges. He had no self-control. He didn't know boundaries. And he had injuries that he decided to ignore. I, I want to encourage you, don't ignore your pain. Because we can try to find other things to soothe the pain, to medicate the pain, to cover the pain. But pain doesn't go away until the root of the pain is actually dealt with. I'll give you one more instance. As a naval officer, while I was on deployment, I had a young man who obviously had a lot of pain. And because he never dealt with that pain, he hated Christianity. He attempted suicide on the ship. He was not held accountable for his actions. This young man actually, once getting out of the Navy, and this was in the 1990s, he actually cut his wife into pieces, mutilated her into small pieces, and placed her in a plastic bag and in septic tanks. That young man had some serious issues, serious pain. But no one would address those pain, that pain, in an effective way. It was overlooked. And as a result, when people hurt, sometimes they hurt others. I, I want you to deal with pain and head on, head on, so that you can receive and experience that healing. Healing in your mind, soul, and spirit. So that you can move forward and be that man of God that God has called you to be. And so I want to encourage you. When you hurt, even if you can't say it out loud to everybody else, say it to someone you really trust another brother, another man, or someone who will listen and not look down on you because you hurt, but will actually help you find the root of it and bring about healing. This has been Life Lessons for My Sons. Today's segment has been on the field injuries. I want to thank you for tuning in and listening. I hope you've gained something that will be useful for you in your walk and in your journey as a man. Thank you for tuning in.
to Motivational Moments with Dr. Kevin Jackson. Hello, this is Dr. Kevin Jackson. Thank you for tuning in to today's segment, which is entitled Life Coaches, a part of our episode based on my book, Life Lessons for My Sons. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that you've had the opportunity to listen to some of the previous segments. I believe they will be a blessing to you and provide you with much wisdom as you continue this journey into manhood. Coaches are so important. Coaches have an expertise about whatever the game is about, whether it's a basketball coach, football coach. Coaches guide and lead out of the expertise in which they have mastered themselves. And in the game of life, you will need coaches, not just a coach. You will need coaches, people for different aspects of your life who are able to develop you because you will have that teachable spirit, the ability to allow others to mold you into what God has destined you to be. I have so many coaches, and so I've been greatly blessed, not just in my childhood, but even now. I'm 46, and I still have coaches in my life to help me navigate the different situations that I may encounter in life even today. My grandmother was my first life coach. She taught me everything that I know about Jesus Christ. She taught me how to pray. She taught me about the redeeming power of Christ because of her own testimony. She was an alcoholic, but when she met Christ, she turned around 180 degrees and began to serve the Lord and work in the Lord's house. And that's how I began to learn how to serve the Lord and have an appreciation for church work. My mother was also a coach for me as well. My mother was very talented, super smart. And I believe during the time in which she had me and pregnant with me, she didn't pursue all the education that she had the opportunity to do. She decided to just take care of me and then work. My mother is an outstanding artist. She can do a lot of the paintings and those things. But my mother taught me the value of work and having a work ethic. I saw her work two and three jobs. I saw her not miss a beat. She provided for my sister and I, kept the family going, the household going, and others. She showed me the power of having a work ethic. I want to encourage you, as I learned from my mother as a coach, to have that work ethic. Give people a full day's work. 
Continue to work on your trade. Continue to learn more so that you can be more valuable to the organization that you're a part of and your value based on your work can increase as well. And not only did I have that, but I also had my spiritual father, Joseph Bristol, who actually uh, came to this country from Ghana. And he taught me and continues to teach me so many things. He taught me the value of money, family, love, God, spirituality, integrity, and character. He told me all the stories as he was growing up in Guyana. And it blessed me. So much so that I actually recorded him so that I could capture the very essence of all of the principles that he was teaching me. Listen, take note of this. You must write down the things, the nuggets, the principles that people give you, your coaches, so that you don't forget it. So it's not just something for the moment. Record it so that you'll be able to refer back to it when you need it the most. I've had so many other coaches that have taught me the essence of ministry, how to be a church leader, how to love God, how to preach, how to know when to sit down, how to know when to stand up for what is right. I've had coaches that have taught me the essence of worship. I'm speaking all of this in the context of my development. What I'm trying to demonstrate to you is that you should have several people that you can turn to for whatever the different things that they can contribute to your life. There may be someone that you have that is very strong in finances that you depend on teaching you that. Others may be about your actual job. Others, it may be relationship. Coaches are necessary for specific areas in our lives. I want you to allow those persons to do what they have been ordained to do. And that's to prepare you for the next step in your life. I just want to share briefly some principles when choosing a coach as you try to navigate this game of life. You need someone who has a proven track record in the field of work that interests you. Don't choose a novice. Don't choose someone who doesn't know any more than you know. And ensure that person has integrity. That they mean what they say, do what they say. And if they can't do what they said they were going to do, they will come back and inform you. And also make sure it is a person that you can trust with the private details of your life. I have, and this is something for men, you should have at least one person that you can be totally transparent with and they not look at you as if you are crazy. I have two or three men in my life who I have shared everything that has taken place in my life. 
and they still respect me and love me. You need someone like that because you don't need to carry around heavy weight. You gotta learn how to share it with someone who can hold it. Everybody can't hold your private matters. So you have to use wisdom of who that is. Ensure that that person has a solid relationship with Christ. Ensure that they are speaking the same language you're speaking as it relates to religion so that you'll be on the same ground. And make sure it's someone that you can respect, not someone that is popular, but someone that you can respect. So when they rebuke you or redirect you or hold you accountable, you won't jump out of the process too early. And you want to choose someone who has the time to mentor and train you. It takes time to coach, mentor, and train. Make sure the person has the time so that you do not get the short end of the stick. If they don't have the time, they're probably not the person that's been ordained to mentor you. And you need someone who loves you. I'm not talking about that likes you, but loves you. They love you enough not to allow you to be the same way after they have mentored you. Someone who can speak the truth to you in love and hold you accountable. Those are just some of the characteristics that you should look for uh, in a coach, in a mentor, a spiritual father. Just some principles I want to share with you uh, that you should use. As you also look for a coach, understand some of those relationships will be short term. Some of them will be lifelong. And you will see how each one of those relationships will play out. So don't think that there will always be that relationship. It's just simple. Some things have a expiration date. Some are lifelong. So I want you, if you haven't already done so, kind of write down what are the characteristics that you look for in a life coach, in a mentor, in a spiritual father. Write down those characteristics that you're looking for and ensure the people who you are uh, pursuing and believing that should be imparted in your life, make sure they meet those characteristics. Work on being teachable. This is something that has to be worked on long-term basis. Let me give you an example. If your mentor, spiritual father, coach, is trying to help you make some changes in an area in your life and all you have is rebuttal or excuses, you haven't become teachable yet. If your tone is way out of line, you haven't become teachable yet. Keep working on being teachable. 
And then I want you to make sure you appreciate those who coach you in life. Don't allow people to sow in your life without telling them thank you. Common courtesy. Don't always be a taker. Be a giver. And when you give, it'll come back to you many times greater than what you gave out. Thank you for joining me today for this segment entitled Life Coaches. I believe that you will have coaches in your life. I may be that person just through this medium of this podcast. And then there will be others who will be right in your space where you can actually reach out and touch them. Whatever the case may be, ensure that there are people in your life who are pouring into you, holding you accountable so that you can develop into what God has called you to be. Thank you for tuning in to Motivational Moments with Dr. Kevin Jackson. God bless. Hello, this is Dr. Kevin Jackson. Thank you for tuning in to Motivational Moments. We've been focusing on our episode, which is mapped after my book, Life Lesson for My Sons. And today's segment is focused on support team. Support team. Every football team or athletic team has some kind of supporting team standing by to provide that needed support to their players. And in this game of life, Last segment, we talked about coaches. This segment, we're talking about those support people. People that you consider to be your close friends. Those who you trust and love. Those who you spend time with. You need people in your life. You need someone who can be a friend. This is what the scripture says, Proverbs 18 and 17. A friend loves at all times. You need someone who's going to love you when you are lovable and unlovable. And all of us can be in that posture at some time. I have some fantastic friends. I have some that have been in my life over 20 years, in particular my brother Cedric Butts. I absolutely love him. We met while in the Navy and we have maintained our friendship. He is the godfather father of my children and I am the same for his. Cedric provides me with that friendship in which I can be totally transparent. We're both preachers. Um, we're able to hold each other accountable and he's a close brother in my life. I hope that you found someone who is a friend who can love you at all times. And let me tell you something. When you find a friend who will stick with you through thick and thin, you better hold on to that person because a true friend is really hard 
testify. And God has blessed me with so many other friends, those that are my fraternity brothers of Phi Beta Sigma fraternity, those others that I've met in the military, even until this day, some great people whom I love and appreciate that are great friends, great support members in my life. I want to give you uh, just some of my thoughts because, you know, we will label people as friends. And I want you as a young man, as a man of God, as a son, I want you to have some concrete principles before you throw the label friend on someone. A true friend is going to support you in difficult times. You don't need someone who's going to run out when the going gets rough. And a true friend is also going to be open and honest with you. They're going to tell you when you stink. Still love you, but they'll tell you the truth even if they know it's going to make you upset. And a true friend in the Christian context is going to hold you accountable for your morals and your values. And they're going to demonstrate those same values. They're not going to be perfect, but they're going to, in overall, consistently demonstrate those values and morals. A good friend is going to stay with you when you're up and when you are down. They're not going to join others to push you down and to destroy you. You need a good friend who is going to pray for you. Someone who may not have the answers, but will look to God for you. Someone who will love you even with all of your flaws. Who will genuinely celebrate your success. You need a true friend. And in general, men, we don't do very well with relationships with other men because of all such stigma and all this kind of stuff. It is biblical for men to have close relationships that are based on friendship and godly principles. I want to encourage you to find one brother that you can have in your life who can be that friend. As I tell my sons and my spiritual sons, you cannot spend your life just being a loner and just floating around. You need some stable people that you call friends and meet these principles in your life. Because they're going to be there to walk alongside you most likely when no one else will. I can remember some of my childhood friends, and many of us are still good friends today. It's because over time, we learned things about each other, we respected each other. Now, some of my friends, we actually fought each other and then became good friends. I'm not suggesting that that is the process to use, but I guess it can happen. It happened in my case. You need friends uh, who 
can encourage you when you're going through difficult times. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to develop a list of characteristics that you would like to see in friends. And then I want you to take that list, use it as a rubric, and see if the people that you're calling your friends, if they meet those characteristics. Now, they're not going to have to meet all of them. But for a good majority of them, they should be displaying those characteristics. If your friends don't meet those good characteristics, you might want to change the title. Maybe not a friend and change it to an associate. Friends impact how we act and they are influential. Especially for young people and I found it so even with adults. Who you hang around is a reflection of who you are. And these are things that I say to my sons. Some of them adults and some of them that have children. I tell them you need, you're single, you need some single friends. You're married, you need some married friends that are saved, that love God, that you can trust. You need folks that you can identify with. There's no need for a married man to have nothing but single friends. They have different directions in life. They have different social aspects and goals. I'm not saying get rid of all of your single friends if you're a married man. I'm saying you should have some married men as your friend so that you will have people of like-mindedness. Friends are important and they're going to be that support team for you. They're going to be on that sideline cheering for you. They're going to be calling out the plays that the quarterback has, has said. They're going to help you when you get wounded. They're going to carry you when you need to be carried. Remember, friends love at all times. Even when you fall out, you can't stay mad at each other too long and come back together. I can count one argument that Cedric Butts and I had, and it didn't last a whole day in our almost 25-year relationship as best friends. I want to encourage you. Check and make sure that you have friends according to principle. Trust those folks. Allow them to support you in the different things that you have going on in your life as you try to excel. Make sure you have that one friend that you can be totally transparent with and trust with the private details of your life. Get that support team. You're going to need it. You may be facing another team that may be horrific, mean, unforgiving. But if you have a good support team, you can make it through any game of life. Thank you for tuning in to Motivational Moments as we go through this episode, Life Lessons for My Sons. Today's segment has been focused on 
support team or aka friends. This is Dr. Kevin Jackson. I appreciate you for tuning in today. God bless. Hello, this is Dr. Kevin Jackson. I want to thank you for tuning in to Motivational Moments as we continue in our episode, Life Lessons for My Son, based on my book, Life Lessons for My Sons. Today's segment is entitled The Playbook. You know, any team, specifically a football team, those coaches will have playbooks, plays that have been successful in previous games and even some new plays that they may have developed based on performance of the team in previous games. Playbooks are there to provide a strategy for winning a game, making a play, gaining yardage, tripping up the other team. I want to take some time today and just go over with you some of the plays that I provided for my sons and my spiritual sons. I'm praying that something that I will share today in today's podcast will be a blessing to you and that you'll be able to utilize these principles uh, to help you in your walk in being a man of God. Here's the first play that I want to talk about. And the first one is be your own man. You are in control of your own destiny. This is one of the plays, and this is not a play on your side. This is a play that Satan, the enemy of our soul, tries to play on men. Be your own man. You're in control of your own destiny. You are not in control of your own destiny. God is. You have a role in the process of your destiny being developed. But because you are in Christ, you're not in control of your own destiny. Your destiny is in the hands of God. So don't believe the hype that you got to be your own man. You are in control. That's not a mindset that's going to get you very far. And then when you have some setbacks, you're going to find out very quickly that you're not in control. Here's something else I want to share with you. These are plays that the opposing team tries to uh, saddle you with. Deeds done with your body have nothing to do with your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, you know, there's a scripture that tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15, don't you know that your body are members of Christ? Should I take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? The scripture says, never. Verses 19 through 20, do you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you something. Whatever we do, it is in direct relation with our relationship with Christ. 
There are some things as it relates to our bodies, entertainment and things that we do that we have to understand it does matter when we're in relationship with Christ. I want to hit on some heavy hitters here. So you're going to have to put your seatbelts on today as we look at some of the plays that are played on men. One of the things uh, that is a challenge for men is in the area of sex, sexuality, fornication, which is sex outside of marriage. I have always advocated for my sons to ensure that they remain pure. We are in such a sexed, crazed society. You can't even watch cartoons about Minnie Mouse getting with Minnie. And so with that reality, it becomes necessary to have conversations about what is God's perspective when it comes to sex. Sex is a beautiful, outstanding, wonderful, joyous opportunity to express love within the confines of marriage. That's what God says. And if there's a struggle, then it becomes necessary that you seek help from a coach that you can trust, who can help you as you try to maintain self-control. So if I've shared with my sons, and I'm going to share it on this podcast, uh, that my expectation is that you will save yourself for your wife. In this day and time, you might want to just do that with the diseases that it only takes one encounter and you can contract AIDS or syphilis or herpes. A number of things. Do you really want that pain? Do you really want that suffering for a few minutes of pleasure? I'm here to tell you, it ain't worth it. And you may have already experienced and you may be able to testify to the fact that it's not worth it. I want to also encourage you not to fall into the trap of pornography. Porn, pressure over relational needs. It's something to fall into because there is pressure. It creates pressure over relational needs, needs that someone may have sexually. It is addictive. And it will also impact your body in a physical way. It will literally destroy cells in your brain because of the different hormones that are released from viewing pornography. Don't allow it to become your go-to medicine for loneliness, lust, and whatever other reasons. Here again, if you find yourself 
caught in that ditch, you need someone, a coach, your dad, your spiritual father. Remember those private details of your life that you can share with or people on your support team that can help pull you out of that ditch and get you back on solid foundation. All it takes is a determination not to go there and putting into place different things that will hold you accountable. Here's another thing that I share with my sons. And that is to ask the Lord to give you a hatred for anything that would even appear to be perverted. If we begin to hate the things that God hates, I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about acts, behavior. Then it provides us with that push and ability to fight against those things. That, is, that includes alcoholism, drugs, gang, style, activity, pornography, fornication, hidden it wherever you can, getting some whenever you can, however you want to say it. The bottom line is operate with self-control and hate those things that God hates. You don't want to be held captive by things that will lead to destruction. Don't don't trust your flesh. Here here's something for my my sons and and something for men and and those who are seeking here again I ask you to be what teachable. This is some good stuff that I'm sharing with you. Don't trust your flesh. Don't 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 try to test it out. Don't don't hey just let the girl rub your leg and see if you're going to fall into problems or not. Brother, you are. Don't test yourself in those ways. You're setting yourself up for failure. Your flesh will do whatever it is designed to do if it's placed in a position to do it. So I want you not to trust your flesh but hold your flesh subjective to the principles, biblical principles, on a continual basis. What else I want to share with you uh, from this playbook is one play that the enemy will use is that you don't need to waste your time on getting an education. I'm here to tell you, if you don't have education, you won't get far in life today. You need almost more than just a bachelor's degree. You have to continue to go further in your education. Those papers, those degrees serve as credentials to say that you have mastered some level of understanding and knowledge. And you're going to need that if you intend to go up the ladder of success. Here's another one of those bad plays that is often caused when it concerns men. 
don't worry about your health. You're all right. This is a way to cause us to fail at being healthy. I want to go over some things here. If you're overweight, I want you to come to terms with that and understand that you must begin to eat correctly, that you must have a, a exercise program that you will participate in, and that you will get checkups to give you an understanding of where you are as it relates to health. If you have health issues, then you must adhere to the things that your doctor gives you. We must get regular checkups. I've had checkups that you're supposed to have at age 46, and they're very invasive, but they're necessary. So you have the colonoscopy and all of the other different things that take place at different ages. The more you know about what's going on in your body, the better you can be keeping that body healthy. So men, go get your annual exam. Get your dental exam. If it's too expensive and you don't have health care, try the community clinics. Try some of the other agencies that provide those services at an economical cost. Here's another one that I want to say. It's a play. These are all bad plays that are called, as it relates to men, your vote does not count anyway. The man has this country under his control. Let me tell you something. Too many people died for the opportunity to vote. Your vote counts because it is done in respect for those who died for your right to vote. If you do not vote, you have no room to complain. I want to encourage you men, and young men and young adults, exercise your right to vote. It is important. These are all plays that are meant to cause men to fumble the ball, throw interceptions, lose yardage in your life, in your family, and finances, and the list goes on and on. Don't allow the plays that I've just gone over, don't let those plays get played out in your life. Thank you for tuning in today. I know it was a little rough, but hey, fathers give the, the hard advice and have those hard conversations because they love their sons and I love my sons and my spiritual sons. I hope that you've been blessed today as we continue in our episode Life Lessons for My Sons and today's segment was focused on the playbook. I hope that you've been challenged and some of you may be upset but I think it's going to make you even better. Thank you for tuning in to Motivational Moments with Dr. Kevin Jackson.
Hello, this is Dr. Kevin Jackson. I want to welcome you to Motivational Moments. And specifically, as we uh, will do our final uh, episode, which is Life Lessons for My Sons, with its final segment on In Search for the Good Thing. In Search for the Good Thing. When I'm speaking of good thing, I'm referencing the Bible that says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. One of the things that is so important to me that I wanted to convey with my sons and spiritual sons was how to find the right woman to marry. And even before they marry, to date the right woman. It became important to me because, one, I wanted to demonstrate to my sons how to treat a woman by the way that they saw me treat their mother. I met my wife at Savannah State in 1990, and we met two weeks after freshman orientation. At the time, she was dating someone in Washington, D.C., and Unfortunately, he wasn't in Savannah, Georgia. And so I pursued her. Two weeks after freshman orientation, she finally broke down and uh, became my girlfriend. And I had always respected my wife. I thought she was, and she still is, the most beautiful female that I know. She captured me with all the experiences that she had uh, gotten from traveling in Europe and in London and all those places. And she was, and she still is, so smart and intelligent. I actually married up. She's cultured me and all of those things. So I agree with the scripture. He who finds a wife really finds a good thing. And I am so glad that my wife is also a woman of God. She has worked with me in ministry when I was pastoring, worked with me in ministry in every aspect, really a lifelong partner who understands what God is saying for our relationship and our marriage. And even in this phase of ministry as a, a chaplain in the United States Navy, my wife has been supportive in that decision as well. I always told my boys, you need to find someone that is just like your mother. And I'm talking about specifically my wife. And so I want to share some of the characteristics that are of my wife. But for you as well, as you are seeking and dating and searching for the good thing, I want to give you some description of what a good thing is supposed to look like and what that good thing should possess. She should be saved and confident in God. You need someone who loves God because if she loves God, she will love you. Someone who has character and integrity. You don't have to be looking over your shoulder. You don't have to go through a phone to find out if she's telling the truth and if you're the only one. You need someone 
who has character and integrity. You need someone who is cognizant of her appearance and how it represents God. You don't want someone who dresses in a way that is inappropriate, tight stuff or whatever. All of the property is out. You want someone who dresses appropriately, respects themselves, and respects others. Someone who is educated, that you can hold a conversation other than just puppy love stuff, but you can talk about the topics of the day. You can talk about the issues on a intellectual level, not just about the music industry and what's on TV, but you can have well uh, in-depth conversations. Someone who is resourceful, in other words, has her own money, her own stuff, and she's not looking for your stuff and your money. You want someone who's already got vision for her own life. A woman of prayer and a woman of good reputation. That's why you want to be taking the dating process slowly so that you can learn everything that you're supposed to learn about that individual. And you want her to be respectful. If she uses profanity at you and calls you out of your name and say you're not this and that and that, she doesn't respect you. And you need a woman who will respect you because you respect her. One of the life lessons that I taught my sons in the book, never just settle for beauty and looks. It is what is on the inside of a woman that you must be most interested in. Who she is as a person, not just because she's fine, because she can be fine and evil. Fine and some there's some issues. You want to know that she has character, integrity, loves the Lord, and respects you and herself. One of the things I've taught my sons as I interact with them, and this is for you to know and implement in your own life, and also when you have the opportunity to mentor order others and in your own children, I taught my boys that they must respect my wife. I never said you must respect your mother. I wanted them to understand that their mother was my and is my wife. And I would never allow them to disrespect her or they would have to deal with me. I also taught my sons that they had to have some responsibilities around the house. That their mother didn't do all of the work. But that there were responsibilities that they needed to do so that when they got their own places, they could survive. And I also taught them how to love their mother by example of the way that I loved her myself. So the way that I treat my wife is the way that they would most likely treat their wives and the girls that they dated. 
Oh, on the subject of dating, let me share some of the principles that I share shared with my son. I believe that one should develop friendships with godly young ladies first instead of jumping into a serious dating situation. Establish the friendship. Let there be a time of learning about the individual so you don't waste your time on someone that's not going to be beneficial and that's never going to work. Develop friendships first. And I encourage my sons, do not spend your time dating any woman you're not willing to marry. It's a waste of time. If she's not marriage material, then why waste your time? When dating, I tell my sons, you got to control your flesh. You got to remember the principles that I've taught you as it relates to making sure that you're walking in righteousness, even in your dating. Here's another one that I teach my sons. Never disrespect a young lady's body. She's more than her physical appearance. Find out who she is as a person. And, and for God's sake, do not ever hit a young lady. When you do that, brothers, to my sons, you're becoming less than a man. Violence towards a woman is never appropriate. And I told my sons that if you cannot bring the young lady to meet your parents, leave her where you found her. Because if you are ashamed of her before your parents or those people whom, who hold you accountable, then you're already admitting that there's a problem. And then when you get to that step where you believe that you want to marry someone, make sure that you've spent enough time, one to two years of courting and dating and being engaged before you take that leap of marrying because marriage should be something that will be consistent and permanent. I've been married to my wife almost 24 years, and I look forward to being married 24, 25, 50, 60, 70 years more as the Lord allows us to live. My vow was until death do us part. Here's some things, sons, men of God, young men, mentees, I want you to consider before you say I do. Make sure that you are a whole person yourself. If you don't have your emotional self in order and your mental self in order, you're not ready for marriage. You need to have your own stuff, your own home. Don't get married to move in another in a woman's house. You are the provider and you should own your own stuff or at least be able 
to provide for her a dwelling place, even if it's an apartment. Before you say I do, make sure you have good credit. And by the way, make sure she's got good credit too. Get your credit in order. Make sure your finances are on track. Before you say I do, you should have a job so that you can support a job with benefits, with, with uh, medical care, health care, all of those things. Before you say I do, make sure you got your own car or some type of transportation. Before you say I do, make sure you got some money saved. And I'm not talking about have it saved to pay for a big wedding. You have the type of wedding that you can afford. But you need money saved so that when there are expenditures or expenses that arise, that you have something in the bank so that you can take care of those expenses. Before you say I do, you make sure she takes an HIV test. So make sure you're not marrying someone that's got some extenuating circumstances. Before you say I do, talk to the people that you trust and love. Allow them the opportunity to tell you what they really believe and think about you and the young lady that you want to marry. Allow them to tell you whether you're ready or not. Then I want to share with you you get married just a few more principles we're all talking about in search for a good thing some things that I've shared with my sons and I've already gotten over this never hit your wife I've never hit my wife since we've been married or dated that is complete foolishness and if that's something that you do you need to get some help quickly it's uncalled for and it's not an attribute of a good man. Never call your wife out of her name. Use English. Use words that are respectful. I know this is going to be a difficult one. Minister to your wife's spiritual needs. You need to be somewhere in God where you can also minister to your wife's needs. You should be able to pray and intercede for her. You should be able to talk about the word of God with her. Love your wife according to the Bible. And encourage your wife. There will be days in which she will need your support. And spend quality time with your wife. Give her the time that she needs that you can so that she didn't have to spend it with someone else. Love her in tangible ways. And this is my last one. Love must do something. 
It is a great thing to say I love you. It is even greater to demonstrate how much you love a person. Let your love do something. And then you can call it true love. Thank you for tuning in for this last segment of Life Lessons for My Sons. And this one was about in search for the good thing. I pray that you'll be able to pull some nuggets from this podcast and allow it to minister to your heart. I really want my sons, brothers, young men, mentees, those that are searching for someone to pour into your life, I hope that you hear what I'm saying and have that teachable spirit so that you could be that great man of God that God wants you to be. Thank you for tuning in to Motivational Moments with Dr. Kevin Jackson.